Hello and welcome to Lord of the Rings Minute, the daily podcast where we analyze the movie The Fellowship of the Ring one minute at a time. I'm Norman Mitchell. And I'm Cassandra Fredrickson. And today we'll be discussing Minute 11, which starts with some hobbits setting up Bilbo's party and ends with the first appearance of Gandalf. Yeah. Um, and he appears humming and singing a, a little song that we'll get to hear a few times. Yeah. The road goes ever on and on. So we're still in the, like, this is kind of the end of the narrated part. Yeah, I think that there's a there's a few more minutes where there's some Bilbo narr- narration thrown in right. to some of this stuff, I think. I don't think so. I think this is kind of the... Maybe, there might be just a little bit more in the next minute, actually. That might be the end of it. Because the, there's still that phrase of, like, there'll always be a bag end that's a bag end. Oh, that's that. right. We haven't heard that's that right, yet. Yeah. Um, we start to hear the Shire theme here, like, a little clearer. And uh, on the commentary, Howard Shore talks about how this was kind of the first theme he really wrote. Yeah, it's like an like an ode to the beauty of New Zealand. Yeah. And, like, the rustic, rural life of hobbits um and he talks about how like he very intentionally wanted it to grow as the story progressed mm-hmm. so the the theme gets bigger and more somber as it goes by right. each time you hear it it loses a little bit of the innocence it first starts because with. it's attached to frodo and yeah. that's his journey and it, i think that's a really really cool way of mirroring that in the score because there's a there's a theme that we pick up on, yeah, and then we we register the changes in it almost subconsciously. I feel like, yeah. um, because unless you have like a background in music, I feel like a lot of people, uh, will pick up on the theme and they'll recognize the theme, but it's harder to recognize the subtleties of the theme if you're not listening to them back to back right like pick up on the differences that slowly build and all that mm-hmm. you might not necessarily notice unless you have an ear for music mm-hmm. um, this is also our first look at frodo yeah elijah wood just stands up out from under a tree reading a little book and we get to see those the first shot of those incredibly blue eyes that he has. Does is he wearing contacts or is that i just don't believe so i think they talk about in the cast commentary that this is just his eyes that his eyes are just that blue, freakishly blue. Yeah, but that's uh thirty four second, uh, thirty yeah thirty four seconds, not thirty four minutes. <laughs> 30, it's Monday. Yeah, shut up. Um, it's thirty four seconds into the minute. Um, and I like that we like it. It's Bilbo passing the torch. We finally see Frodo, and then a few seconds later, we start hearing Gandalf. And I like that we get the introduction of you know frodo and gandalf in the same together yeah Yeah. because well because you have to establish like before moria like as soon as you see gandalf and frodo you have to establish that these two have known each other for like frodo's entire life right that they're very old friends because the the way Frodo reacts right. to Gandalf the, passing in uh, Moria. The emotional weight yeah. you need. So it's really important to establish it from the very beginning. Mm-hmm. Um, and the way that Frodo's face lights up when he hears Gandalf singing is just like, he's just so happy. It's mm-hmm. just pure joy. Um, and apparently they filmed that scene in pickups after they filmed everything else yeah, in Hamilton. The, the Glenn scene. Yeah, with him with his little book. Uh, B. 
because they were they were struggling to figure out uh, an introduction to Frodo. Um, and they found this little copse of trees in this sunny yeah. little glen, and they were like, oh, that, you know. Perfect. Yeah. Let, let's show Frodo reading a book under a tree. Yeah. Which is very, it's very nostalgic and it's very childlike. Um, yeah. Because, you know, like every, I feel like every, you know, like 1980s movie about childhood innocence you like have starts this, with someone reading a book right you have this kid you know in a tree house or near a tree or near wherever reading it, a book yeah it's it's a very like tropey kind of introduction to mm -hmm. a main character but it, it worked especially because the whole point of hobbiton is supposed to be like it's nostalgic and it's of like a past time mm -hmm. innocence so like showing just a guy with a carefree life just kind of hanging out is a good way to introduce frodo yeah because he's kind of a nerd. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Definitely. A little nerd. little nerd. Um, and we hear Gandalf before we see him. Yeah. I like that Gandalf, in both The Hobbit and Lord of the Rings, is the impetus for uh, Bilbo or Frodo kind of taking that yeah. first so, step out their door. Push the little hobbit out the door. Right. and. I know you're capable of great things, Shove. And we'll talk about it later this week with the line, you know, like, you've been labeled a disturber of the peace, but I feel like that's fair. I think so. Because he just, he just comes in to this idyllic Hobbit neighborhood, messes with everyone, stirs up trouble, and then leaves for years. <laughs> just disappears for 20 years. And then they have to deal with it. Yeah. Man. Gandalf. I mean, he really inflated Bilbo's e ego. He got all that money and he came home and thought right. he was better than everybody else. I mean, is he's not wrong. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Uh, they also, the, the commentaries continue to talk about the design of Hobbiton here for a little while. Mm. Uh, there's about two straight minutes of talking about how they got the grass right over the course of a year. I think that's really fascinating. Yeah, they they talk about bringing in sheep to graze it and yeah. then, like, leaving it alone for a few weeks. They had a very rigorous schedule for when to plant the certain types of grasses they were using because yeah. they wanted a, a grown-in feel, but they didn't want it to be, you know, unkempt. Yeah. And they didn't want it to be too, you know, perfectly manicured, like, you know, golf green. Um yeah. So they had different, you know, species of grass that they were having. So it'd be a little taller to give the hobbits more perspective. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, so everything needed, all the all the plant life needed to look a little too big. Yeah, and then they had just like they grew all the grass, and then they had sheep just to graze on because it because it's New Zealand, right? I mean, it's free labor, I guess. Yeah. I don't okay. need to mow the lawn. I just have a herd yeah. of sheep. We'll feed your sheep. Come come clean up the Hobbit set. Because mm -hmm. um, the, the Hobbit set, Hobbiton was built on someone's farm. Yeah, it's uh, it's outside the town of, what, Matamata? Uh, he said it's in, I think Matamata is a region. I don't know if it's a town. No, it's it's a town. It's like a village. Yeah, they, but they talk about being in a place called Hamilton while they're filming some of this Hobbiton <laughs> stuff. Um. So that's a thing. Yeah. Is there a, is there a lot else here? Uh, Minute eleven. Oh, they name drop the uh, the greens department. The oh, head they, of the they, greens department. 
uh, Brian Massey. Brian Massey. And his claim to fame is pretty much these movies and King Kong by yeah. Peter Jackson. And uh, he worked on another early Peter Jackson movie, too, I think. Uh, it was Frighteners? Is that Peter yeah, Jackson? I think, I think it is Peter Jackson. Um, so he's he's Peter Jackson's go-to green guy. Apparently he was very vocal about uh, the design of some later outdoor places mm -hmm. so they didn't look too wrong. Yeah. And he he wrote a booklet on the design of these things, of, like, I guess. trees. Yeah, on trees. The trees in Lothlorien, I think. He said they were too coney. Too, too conical. Yeah. They had to change. With an N. Like, looks like a cone. Yeah. Too coney. Too, that, man, guy loves trees. I guess. That's, that's, that's really cool. Like, you don't think, you don't really think about it's like a horticulture? Lands, like horticulture and gardening and landscape in a movie. Yeah. Well, um, a lot of movies, I feel like it, it's not as big of a deal. Mm. Um, because Tolkien, his themes in the writing, it's a lot about, they're very romantic with, yeah. like, with a capital R. Yeah. Yeah. The the nature pastoral yeah like the nate going getting back to basics being one with the land uh you know in the face of industrialization yeah um all of that and it's you i mean know, look look what happens to saruman when he tries to advance right we'll talk about that uh but i like that I, i've you know i've never really thought about lord of the rings as a romance yeah like a neo-romance yeah, it kind of is. I mean, it, it's intended to be like a myth, so in a way that makes sense. Yeah. Um, I think it'd be interesting to kind of revisit the text itself as a. I'm sorry, I'm English majoring. Um, That's fine. The, the, <laughs> the like revisit the text through a a uh, like a romantic lens. Yeah. Like reading of a like a Victorian romance yeah, because very much the setting is itself a character right um because it's it's like a hundred it's like a hundred years after like the romantic period really yeah give or take yeah and ended i guess the romantic romantic period was pre the american civil war so like yeah. over a hundred years over 150 years because well they, i mean these Yes and no. It came out in the 50s. Right. But he had been writing it for almost 20 years right, prior. that's true. So, you know, the 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 early half of the 19 or the 1900s, not the 19th yeah. century. Um that's still over 100 years. Yeah. So, I think it's kind of cool that I mean, war isn't cool, but in the wake of this this massive war that people were kind of re-tapping into these similar themes that people had been exploring yeah. over a hundred years ago. Yeah, there, there was there was kind of a fairly large um, fantasy and sci-fi boom in the fifties mm. after World War II. Um, there's a decent amount of sci-fi work and fantasy work before that, but a lot of the like real classic stuff that we think of comes from the fifties and sixties. Right. Um, and, and Tolkien really helped popularize that even more than yeah. it had started to be. But I mean, not just the emergence of fantasy, the, the fantasy genre, but I mean, like, you know, like this kind of neo-romantic. Yeah. Stuff like, uh, like Emerson. Yeah. And, um, like all the transcendentalists and stuff like, you know, to be, to be with the divine is to be with nature. Yeah. Um, and I feel like in Hobbiton, especially that, 
shows through. Yeah. With the, um, just with the descriptions in the book and seeing it on the screen, uh, because everything is so, so perfect. Yeah. Chartreuse as, uh, as John Howe says. <laughs> Chartreuse. I guess it kind of is. It's very green. It's, <laughs> it's very, green. very green. It's like St. Patrick's Day green. It's very chartreuse. <laughs> that art commentary is going to be a struggle. Yeah. It, I can, it, I can oh, already it feel it. It is. Um, there's, there's, it's, in part, it's because there's so much like dead space right. in what yeah. they're talking about. And they're so soft-spoken. I, I feel a little better about the volume of my voice now listening to these guys. If they can have a career... In movies and art, I can too because I'm kind of soft spoken. But I, especially I, with how overshadowed they are by Richard Taylor, the guy in charge of what? Yeah, because he just shouts like this. He'll just shout into the mic, but <laughs> and they're very soft spoken. Yeah. And Richard, we're off topic again. But Richard Taylor, I don't know how many of you have listened to these commentaries, but you really should because a it's very fascinating, but. You it's, just need to listen to, like, the first ten minutes of the art one. Yeah. And it'll give you the difference in voice between Richard Taylor and John Howe and Alan Lee. Yeah. Um, and then realize that you're going to have to deal with that whiplash for the three and a half hours <laughs> if you sit there and watch it all. For just this movie. For just this movie. Um, or the, And the 12 hours if you watch all three, uh, as I've done on several occasions. I think it's I've only really... done the art commentary once. So this is this only the second time I'm listening to the art commentary. Oh, this is like brand new territory for me. This is like the like the new frontier. The new frontier. The new frond. Frontier. Frond. Ha <laughs> The new frontier. <laughs> Get it? Because plants. Um, yes. Yeah. We like puns. <laughs> we do. It's true. We're going to get it out of the way yeah. up front. I guess three weeks in, it's not up front. Yeah, but in the grand scope of everything. Uh... I think that's well. That's it for this minute, right? Yeah, I think so. All right, sweet, awesome. Uh, so you can find us at duelinggenre dot com. Oh, you can contact us at contact at lord of the rings minute dot com. We have a Twitter lotr minute, a Tumblr lotr minute dot tumblr dot com. We also have a Facebook page. Yeah, like us on Facebook. Yeah, uh, and. The best thing you can do for us is leave us a review on iTunes. Five stars, if you can. Oh, yeah, absolutely. Just that, a review. A one review. star. These guys suck. No, I mean, why would you tell someone to leave you a bad review? That one guy got that one thing wrong. <laughs> I'm sorry. <laughs> um, also on Dueling Genre, you can find some other wonderful podcasts that include my co-host, Cassandra, uh, The Doctor's Companion, where they talk about uh, both classic and new who oh speaking of doctor who we didn't we'll talk about it later we'll yeah. talk about it in the week okay uh geek by night which is a wonderful uh podcast about some nerds that run a comic book shop that get superpowers yeah it's an audio drama it's an audio drama it's a lot of fun uh it's been very very good so far thanks and if uh, you back to the future minute back to the future minute with scott and nick who yeah. are wonderful people they're very funny and their their podcast is is great i definitely approve um, and if you would like to support us, we have a one-time donation button on duelinggenre.com. And we also have a Patreon, which you can find is duelinggenre.com slash support. Yep. It'll bring us there. And 
hopefully soon we'll have merchandise. Yeah. At the moment we don't, but there's merchandise for other dueling genre productions. And As of this recording, Scott, I don't know if I showed this to you yet, but Scott made a new Back to the Future miniature. I saw that. And it made me laugh for five minutes. It is the best Crispin Glover line in all of Back to the Future. So if you like Back to the Future, check us out. Yeah, of course. Uh, and special thanks to our Patreon associate producer, Leaper182. We'll catch everybody tomorrow. Bye. Bye.